about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Welcome to the Four Horsemen Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan, and I'm not joined by Steve or P-Wagon today, thankfully. Instead, I'm actually joined by four very special guests Um, As you guys know, we've done a pretty good job of reaching out to the analytics community throughout the season, building some friendships. So we got a special guest, not just one of them, four of them. Um, This is super exciting. I can't can't believe we finally got to make this happen. Um, For those of you out there, this isn't going to be an analytics podcast. It's going to be just a football fan podcast through the lens of stats you know what i mean these guys work hard they know their stuff so we figured we just have a fun conversation at this point i would like to say um the tweet that's going out for this is going to be very clickbaity so ben baldwin the godfather if you're out there if you're listening thank you for tuning in consider giving it a retweet if you like it not because you'd be helping out a small podcast but because you'd be platforming some really bright and hardworking individuals here today so with that being said let's get to our guests we are going to build this as a fight. So, in the maze corner, otherwise known as Piss Yellow, from the University Fuck of Michigan, <laughs> University of Michigan student in math and physics, we use his stats far too much on this show. Uh, everyone, welcome Connor McQuiston. Hey, uh, what's going on? Not much. I'm glad we can finally make it happen with you. Oh, hell yeah! This is going to be great. Absolutely. All right. Next. Wait. Wait. Hold on for a second. Audience listener at home, I can hear you throwing up in your mouth at the sound of a Michigan fan. I just want to let you know, nasally ass voice. If if that's if you think that's bad, it's only going to get worse for you, <laughs> because in the red corner or cardinal, I think as they call it, is Brian from USC Analytics. How are you today? Good. Fight on. Fight on for old SC. I actually know the lyrics to your fight song, and we can talk about why that is later. Um, <laughs> And then, of course, the people's champion representing the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and one half of the NDFB Analytics account who were on the show earlier this year. Please welcome Jack Concannon. I like the people's champion better, though. My my Twitter name may need an update. I think it works. I think clearly you're the, the conquering hero. People call me that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about time I update it. So when we put this together, this was a drunk thought really for me after the Clemson game and I thought it'd be funny to build this as like WWE like triple threat match Notre Dame against their two rivals and then I thought well I gotta find a way to get Knowles analytics in it because this guy's one of the I think original accounts we're all pretty or you guys are all pretty new but this guy's been here for a while uh, for a while he has a way better win probability method of you know than Connor and uh so my numbers like hate Notre Dame by the way yes they do so I'd like to welcome uh, as the special guest referee, Knowles Analytics. Jason, how are you? What is up, guys? It is Scalpar Knowles. Remember, Notre Dame fans, 2014 was only six years ago. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Damn, the banter has come quick. Um, and now I'm a biased referee in this fight. So there we go. Those are the guests. 
Um, this is going to be a fun podcast. I think we're just going to have a good time just talking about whatever and, and getting the listeners to uh, to have a good time with some different perspectives. So what I would do is I'd suggest we go in the, the same order I introduced you, just to talk a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to the audience, how you got into analytics and uh, and whatnot. Yeah, so uh, so I'm Connor, like we mentioned earlier. Um, on Twitter, I, I'm, my name is Connor McAnalytics because I think Betts kind of tried to dunk on me, and it was very funny in calling McAnalytics. Um I started doing, as, uh, as Dylan said earlier, I'm a math and physics major uh, here at U of M, Go Blue. Uh, it's just really a bunch of numbers, and I'm, I'm the co-director of the Michigan Football Analytics Society here. Um, it's just the Football Analytics Club. And we're going to have a, so I've always, always been kind of interested in football analytics, uh, hence the math and physics. And I played football for from when I was eight till after my sophomore year of high school. Uh, came here. Uh, there was, we were supposed to have a sports, like a sports analytics symposium last March, uh, for obvious reasons that got canceled. Uh, then I just kept working. Uh, so here we are now I post, uh, I think the, the big thing I post is I post like recap, uh, graphs for every single FBS game, uh, partially to make it so I, uh, don't drink too much soda on Saturday nights and Friday nights. Uh, but also, uh, it's, it's just a fun thing to do. So that's, that's me. Yeah, and Connor's a big Godfather, or no, sorry, not Godfather, Sopranos fan, and oh, yeah. um, it must drive him nuts how often Notre Dame is mentioned in that show. So uh, I don't know I mean, if you realize. I'm that only case. like I'm only like halfway through season three, and it doesn't get mentioned that much. Oh, but. okay, I'm in season six, so it'll get okay, there. Yeah, um, so, such a good. If you guys show. really make me angry. I can just just tell you the ending. So don't don't you know, <laughs> I know, just try I know it it. The ending is famous, but I don't want to know how we get there. Um, <laughs> Brian, USC Analytics, uh, tell the audience about yourself. So uh, I went to USC, and I was with the Trojan Knights, so we're, for USC fans, they're aware of that. Like, basically, I was in the front row and pretty involved with the football team and everything, so always been really big into the football team and then business major, so I did a lot of probability statistics, Excel work, and so just kind of familiar with it from that end, and then I just kind of, being a, a fan, eventually I was like, I just need to dive more deep into this. You know, instead of just wasting so much time arguing with friends over dumb stuff, I was like, I want to get an actual better idea. So unlike Connor, Brian, you actually know your college football history, and uh, you have no love for the Irish. <laughs> just putting that out there because Connor doesn't hate us, and that really annoys, I think, most of our fan base. We'll, 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 we'll get to that after the introductions. Okay. Uh, I've had to deal with it for a while. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, Jack, you've been on the show before. Uh, for the audience who hasn't tuned into that Clemson episode, which is an epic episode, you guys should go listen to that. Um, do you want to just kind of recap who you are and what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, definitely skip the predictions at the end. Uh, but yeah, me and uh, Cooper Klaus worked together. We started a page, ND Football Analytics, uh, during quarantine and have just kind of made charts and, and recapped all games and it's been fun you know interacting people on twitter and stuff i went to notre dame um i graduated in may cooper graduated a year earlier than that um and yeah we've been on here before and and the horseman guys really helped us grow and yeah it's good to be good to be back on this this version of the, I, the horseman podcast i should say to you that i should have even invited you on this show because your ndfb analytics twitter account surpassed us in followers um so i'm a little salty <laughs> about that but i will say in in our defense there's a market for you. You're, you pretty much have a monopoly on it right now for the ND stats. There's nobody else out there. 
And you can basically swing a dead cat and find a Notre Dame football podcast. So that's the way <laughs> I'm framing it. There's basically more interest in your end than mine. Uh, and you also have a podcast, so don't, don't be shy to plug that, too. It's pretty good. Um, so let's get into uh, Jason. Well, shake down the numbers, though. Shake down the numbers. Excellent. All right, Jason, uh, <laughs> FSU, uh, let them know what, uh, what your background is. Yeah, so I went to Florida State in 2014 to 2018. So I did get to see some good Florida State football. Um, and that was pretty much when I fell in love with college football. And I started the Scalp R. Knowles account, prob- I believe, in late January, February. Um, I was first introduced to the uh, like football analytics side of it through the NFL part. Like you mentioned before, Ben Baldwin and that whole community, I started to you know look through that. And then I eventually stumbled upon Parker or Stat Stat O War, I think is that Stats O War. Stats O War had a tutorial out for college side of it. So that, you know, that instantly just was so appealing to me. And then I started to um I just started to look look around, see what I could uh figure out in college football, just ask myself questions and see if I can answer them through uh numbers and stuff like that. And I started posting on the page and uh, it's grown pretty significantly. So that's pretty cool. Um, and obviously Florida State football wasn't great this year, so I did a little national stuff and a little ACC stuff as well. So, yeah, happy to be here. And, and you're fully in the Book for Heisman campaign, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Ian Book for Heisman, baby, let's go. That's my boy. All right, guys, let's let the bloodshed begin. Um, I think it only makes sense for everyone, especially the listeners at home, if we start with that pitiful program in Ann Arbor, what is going on in Michigan? Connor, oh. I'll let you go first. Whole lot. Uh, but real quick, uh, to circle back, you mentioned that I don't have hatred for Notre Dame. So backstory on me, I'm from outside of Philly. Uh, so if you know anything about that area, generally the Northeast, college football isn't like huge. Like my whole family are big Eagles fans. Uh, I'm like a closeted Eagles fan. Long story. <laughs> um, so... I, so I didn't really, and I like, like college football. I watched college football, but I wasn't like super into it until I got to school. Um, I didn't like have a team. Uh, like I always, I was specifically with Michigan. I thought Michigan was the, always like in my mind, like the good guy to Ohio state's bad guy. Um, but I'm not like super familiar with a ton of college football history. So I didn't really know Michigan and Notre Dame were like huge rivals. Uh, and I actually, Actually, it didn't happen until like last year. I didn't realize that it was like the rivalry was such a big deal because they, because they've only played twice while I've been here. They played my freshman year, uh, but the Saturday they played was my first Saturday in Ann Arbor outside of orientation ever, uh, and it was a night game. So I had much more important things to worry about than watch uh, Shea Patterson be very bad against Notre Dame that year. Uh, and then of course last year it's, it was just a very fun rain game uh, where I didn't have a raincoat and it was dreadful. Uh, but so much fun. But so yeah, that's so I like didn't know it was like a big rivalry, and all my friends here uh, they care more about Michigan State than Notre Dame currently, because like I said, they just don't really play. Uh, so yeah, so much of my hatred towards Notre Dame is performative, although the content will be incredible uh, if and if and when Notre Dame loses the Clemson in the ACC championship game. Uh, but with what's going on in Ann Arbor, um, it's not great. <laughs> that's uh, that's one way to put it. Uh, obviously, we won two games. 
two, yes. right? If you count the beat... overtime game. Oh, yeah, Rutgers, which we should have <laughs> lost. Which probably shouldn't game. count as a win, yeah. <laughs> God, no. No one won that game. Uh, but so, okay, so we lost a lot of talent on defense this year. We had a couple of bad opt-outs. We had uh, Nico Collins our, was supposed to be our number one wide receiver. Uh, 31, uh, Vincent Gray, uh, one of our starting quarters, who's probably going to be a top 100 pick in the NFL draft. Uh, they both opted out. Uh, the def- So we lost a bunch of horses. We lost a bunch of talent at, on the outside at cornerback. Uh, so our defensive scheme kind of fell apart. We had a quarterback competition after Shea Patterson, who definitely was a quarterback. That's for sure. Uh, uh, so after that, it was either Joe Milton, uh, this kid who's been hyped up since his freshman year as like a big recruit because he's tall and fast and has a very strong arm. Uh, you're actually legally obligated to mention Joe Milton's arm strength every time his name comes up, or I think you'll be hunted down by someone. I would, I'd like to point out that that is just Michigan Brandon Wimbush. That is the same thing we went through, <laughs> where Brandon this guy's Wimbush super athletic, best. huge arm. He's going to take us to the title, and here we are losing his job to Ian Book. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but, but they were like, so Joe Milton's just been like, okay. And Kay McNamara, they bench Joe Milton in the Rutgers game for Kay McNamara, who's also just okay. But because Caden McNamara doesn't have a cannon, they've been calling plays, which are a lot more efficient and a lot easier to make for Caden McNamara. So Caden McNamara's like raw numbers look a lot better than Joe Milton's, but they're just asking Joe Milton to throw 20 yards downfield all the time. Like, okay, McNair, I guess you can throw screens, which frustrates me to no end. Uh, and that gets us to the coaching staff, which, uh, so this is not the last year of John, uh, Jim Harbaugh's contract. Um, it's actually expiring next year. And with how college football works, of course, he now he either has to sign an extension or leave. Uh, so he's in extension talks right now, um, assuming the uh, Iowa game that, in the crossover game gets played, which doubtful. Uh, they're in context, They're in talks right now. The contract from what I can, from the insiders I follow, um, it is less and it's more incentive laden. And I saw somewhere that Jim Harbaugh's ego doesn't like that, but I'm not sure if that's from a good source. Um, so everything's kind of up in the air uh, with Michigan football. Uh, it seems like Jim Harbaugh will come back or he'll bolt, bolt to the NFL. At which case. Come here, Matt Campbell. Sorry, Michael. Um, Michael being at deceptive speed, he goes to Iowa State. Uh, the D the D coordinator is probably gone after this year. I don't know if Josh Gass, the O coordinator, is going to be gone after this year. It's it's just a mess. But we have a five star quarterback coming in. So yeah, go not blue. as good as not as good as our five star quarterback. I may add, um, but. I will say, let's save the Jim Harbaugh talk for a moment because I got I got a good yeah. question on that one. Okay. Um, what you failed to tell the audience really is that you're awful and your program should be completely dismantled for just sucking so much. And uh, I wouldn't and go I'm that gonna... far. You don't have piss <laughs> yellow pants, that's for sure. Maze is a much prettier color than the gold. The gold I've always even before I came here, I never liked the gold. The gold pants. You Real know bad. what? I th- I think I think Brian of USC Analytics would disagree. I think he'd say gold is better. <laughs> oh, I agree. See, you know what I mean. I got to play you guys against against each other. Um, all right, someone with EPA, tell me what what's going on with Michigan in a very funny way. Okay, okay. Uh, oh, was was that to me or? Well, it it was meant for anyone. I didn't know if because uh, Jason does a lot of the uh, college football landscape stuff, and I wondered if he had anything to comment. 
Uh, on Michigan, I do not actually. I'm going to leave that to Connor to better explain why Michigan is uh, doing so bad. And Jim, what is this? Jim Harbaugh's sixth year now? Yep, you you would be correct. Okay, um, six years. All right, perfect. Yeah. yeah okay. So, okay. So I don't, I don't have the EPA numbers offhand, but I have this. Uh, I have a predicted drive points model. Um, basically, the same idea as EPA, kind of. Uh, it seems like very well, but basically, what it is, it's I see where drive starts how much time is left, what the score difference is, and then how good the drive is by a couple of different numbers. And I try and predict how many points that drive will score, regardless of how many it actually scores. So that way, if like you just kind of bumble and stumble your way down the field into a touchdown, uh, you'll probably be predicted to score like four points when you actually scored seven. Uh, so I use that, and that seems to be a really good metric to measure how good a team is. Uh, so my numbers have Michigan about at the level of Nebraska. Um, and considering it is after the year 2000, that's a bad thing. And I'm just, I'm just going to leave that sentence right there and go walk in the Lake Michigan. Nice. <laughs> Jack, I'm wait, I, I'm waiting for the other Notre Dame fan to just kind of elbow drop the shit out of Michigan. Oh, right I mean, I have no, I have no analytics, um, to, to really talk about that at all. I think that kind of tells the story of being similar to Nebraska or whatever it is, but my, I was a Penn state fan growing up. So Michigan, you know, I enjoy the losing and then I especially enjoy the losing to Penn state. So it's all, all going fine uh, up in Ann Arbor for me. That was so frustrating. <laughs> I, the that was Penn state's first win too. So that was yeah, like I, really tough. Yeah. Just in case you weren't aware, I wanted oh, to Oh, no, I'm aware. I'm aware. Okay. All the kids okay. I went to high school with and one of my teachers who went to Penn State or go there all made sure to remind me. That's uh, okay. So. That's good. As long as someone did that. <laughs> I, I got a question, actually, for, for, for Brian. Um, I've been meaning to ask you this. What are is yours and the USC fan base in general? What's your opinion of Michigan? Because you guys aren't rivals or anything, but you do play each other frequently in the Rose Bowl, and uh, and we hate Michigan. So I, I just want to know what does USC think of Michigan? I think it's been a while, but it's one of those like enjoyable matchups. I think for a while we were going to Rose Bowl every year, and we kind of were like, let's mix it up because we got Michigan like two or three times almost. So at that point, when we're playing someone like Michigan, it's like. Either it's been a while, so we think we enjoy it, or we're like, all right, dumbest ready. <laughs> Rosewell got kind of sick of us for a while. We got sick of them. So if if Michigan were like good one year and making a title run, it wouldn't make you you know your stomach turn like it would us. No. That's that's a little disappointing. I was kind of hoping you'd have some secret hatred for them, but that that's fine. <laughs> I would be I would be so insufferable on the bird app if if that happens. I mean. I'm from Pennsylvania, so Ohio State kind of annoys me and their fans more. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Fuck them. Yeah. Ohio State, <laughs> I've, I've run into some problems with them, too. Um, so this is a, an official We All Hate Ohio State podcast. Unless, Jason, you got something on Ohio State you secretly like or whatever. I don't secretly like Ohio State, but I secretly love Justin Fields. I think if someone, if a team took him first overall over Trevor Lawrence, I would not be, uh, I don't think that would be that surprising. That is um, blasphemy among NFL draft Twitter that you would it take. It really is. Just yeah. Can we can we over, not talk about draft Twitter? I might, I might yeah. die. That would be. Uh, yeah, I, I would assume the GM would probably get a uh, start getting trending on Twitter if he took Justin Fields over him. But I think that Justin Fields is. Um, I think he's right up there, with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's a generational quarterback, and whichever team ends up getting him, which probably I think at this point it'd probably be Jacksonville. Uh, they just instantly get better. 
So that's people pretty much kind of forget that back in the day, Darnold was like a shoe in number one pick in that draft. And then Baker, you know, kind of came out of nowhere and was the first pick. So it wouldn't be super unprecedented to see Lawrence not go first. But let's talk more about the most overrated quarterback in college football history, otherwise known as Sam Darnold. Um, Brian, do you remember 2017 Notre Dame USC had their first ranked matchup in probably a decade? And uh, Sam Darnold pretty much was just harassed for four quarters. Yeah, uh, he had some issues with the O line. Kind of, I think that was that's kind of been one of his long longer term issues, where he doesn't trust his O line, and that that started at USC and continued with the Jets, and so he just kind of lowers his eye level, keeps focusing on <laughs> what guys are coming at him, and that's kind of where a lot of his struggles come from. That's good. Oh, I, you know what I figured? I got you here. Let's move to USC because you guys are actually having a really weird but good year. Like yeah. your first two games, you probably should have lost to both Arizona schools. But here you are, 4-0. And I'd like to ask you if I can tell you a joke, actually. May, may I tell you a, a Lou Holtz joke? All right. This is something he actually said at a pep rally. <laughs> Why do athletes... You have to do the voice. You have to do the voice. I'm I not can't. listening to this joke unless I, you do the voice. I, uh, you know, Dan Patrick can do the voice. I can't because I'm no Dan Patrick. But just just like and, hold your nose while you do it. That'll... Listen, listen, we got to We got to give Lou a break. OK. Um, OK, so why do athletes go to USC? Tell me. Because it's easier to spell than UCLA. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's, that's a Lou Holtz joke. Yeah, for sure. Okay, tell me about your Trojans. How are you feeling this year? Right now, I think a lot of fans have mixed feelings because uh, they were looking at like undefeated season, go to the Fiesta Bowl, play some like Indiana, get a win. I don't have a good bump of a season. And now last night, we saw those FBI uh, where they said 49 to 50% chance to make the playoffs, which is now it's like, that's awesome. We can make the playoffs and then get crushed by Alabama. So there's a little mixed feelings on how USC fans want the season to, season to end. Because, I mean, as we are undefeated, we've had three games where it took us to the last minute for us to pull out a win. And we just based on the quality of play, we should have lost as far as the, you know, the standards we should be meeting. So I think that's just not going to cut it if you go play a top four team in the playoffs. So that's kind of a lot of people are concerned. But at the same time, I mean, there's a chance to beat either Washington or Oregon in the conference championship game. And we've lost a few guys in recruiting that we shouldn't have lost to. So I think a lot of fans, including myself, that'd be a nice, nice bump of recruiting. That's uh, going to happen this week and end of yeah, February. The recruiting has not been phenomenal under Clay Helton. In fact, it's at least, at least, by the way, I look at it with like share of top talent. It's been probably the worst since 2000 under Clay Helton. So, yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of elite players that pretty much they wanted to go to USC, but the way the, the team is going, they're like, eh, I don't know. So we ended up second. Yeah, I can't blame them for that at all. Um, but uh, I love this season for USC. I think USC should go undefeated and win a big bowl game. You know why? Because it means Clay Helton is still your coach, <laughs> and that is all that matters in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I think this is a big time for, for USC too, right? Because there is a power vacuum right now in the Pac-12. Um, do, you, do you think that you guys are going to ever assume control there, or is it going to kind of be nine wins every year? 
I mean, going back to the Clay Helton thing, I think, I think a lot of people probably don't realize outside of USC is his contract is pretty much guaranteed. Like he doesn't have a buyout; it's just guaranteed. Oh, so shit, the really? whole idea, yeah. So the the idea of that, like, if he does worse, he's more likely to get fired, isn't really true. <laughs> it's really just, are they willing to pay the money for him and a new coaching staff? But uh, so yeah, I mean, really, it's kind of like for us fans who watch it, more like the team is this close to being a 12 one team year in year out. It's just all the kind of negative, unorganized mess that you got to clean up, and. Sometimes we see it for half a game, but you, you really see it for a full game. You don't see it for three, four, or five game stretches. And that's pretty much been the difference between us being a 9-1 team, 7-1 team, and you know, what we can do. So I got to ask you a question, or, and be honest here. Is your fan base pretty thankful that you don't have to play Notre Dame this year? It, it depends, because some people have that view of they want they want to see us. It's Notre Dame and Alabama. They want to see them get wrecked because they have this idea that if they get wrecked to Notre Dame and Alabama, so they'll, they'll just the administration will have to pull a plug and help. And other other ones are like, you know, whatever makes us look good at this point is <laughs> in our best interest. So Jack, you're a, obviously an alum, as where. I am a Subway alum, and uh, before I get into do you guys know what that means? Is that a Notre Dame-specific term, or does everyone understand what a Subway alumni is? I know what a Subway alumni is. There's actually uh, a uh, that well, that new uh, college football, like, America's game. They have a whole thing on Notre Dame. Like, that's actually a really, uh, really good a really good episode to watch if you don't. Right. You I didn't know, know if it was like a, a universal term for everyone or if it was Notre Dame-specific. I've never, I've never heard of it outside of Notre Dame. So. Okay, so just to let everybody know, including the audience, Subway alumni is a reference to Notre Dame fans who never went to Notre Dame. So obviously I'm in Canada. There was no point for me to, to go to Notre Dame. So I'm a Subway alumni. Jack, on the other hand, you know, smart smart businessman that he is, is, uh, <laughs> is a Notre Dame alum. So, Jack, when you hear USC talk and you just think about where USC are right now, what are, what are your thoughts on the program? You know, I kind of think USC... I mean, I wouldn't put them in the playoff myself, just, just speaking to this season. I wouldn't put them in the playoff myself, but I do understand like the frustration of seeing Ohio State be in the playoff and USC not even be in the discussion. I, I get it. Like I because I, I, I can't really justify why like six and oh Ohio State is in and then you know USC if they were to be six and oh is like in the teens and you have two lost Georgia and all these other teams, you know. Uh, receiving a, a reward for playing all these games, and then Ohio State doesn't receive that same punishment. So, I don't know, if I was a USC fan, I mean, it's it's all on the Pac-12 at the end of the day for not making a real plan. But I, I wouldn't be psyched about the national discourse kind of not including USC at all. Now, would you want to play them this year as a Notre Dame fan? Yeah, I mean, I I like playing USC. I've always kind of I wish we I've always said I wish we played Miami and Mich- and Michigan every year instead of USC and Stanford, just as a kind of someone whoa, who did not whoa, someone hold who did on, not hold on right there. Oh. <laughs> oh, let's have this talk. Let's have this talk. Oh boy, and we this can watch keep, the, this. Could be Notre Dame on Notre Dame violence, and it hasn't point. been. And if that, I also would like to launch the Navy game into the sun. I don't know if you're on board with that or not either. I, I am a hundred percent on board with that. Okay, I, we can agree. Speaking, on that. Okay. speaking of Navy, uh, go Navy beat Army. But can we agree that like? 
the Army Navy game kind of sucks. Most yes. Of the no. Stop. Like, stop. Yeah. No. 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 Like, it's okay, a tradition okay, every year. Like, you you watch like, two teams with zero explosiveness oh, trudge awesome. down the field, one or two possessions, and you, that's it's just a tradition. You can't you can't say it sucks. Come on now. It's, it's not I, a fun product to watch. I disagree. Don't, I think I think there's like this patriotic love for the service schools that blind everyone to how poor they are and how awful those games are. But I agree with you, Jack, that um, we've been carrying Navy's ass for way too long. Um, there's certainly a subsection of the Notre Dame fan base who wants this gone. Um, we're in that category. But hold on here. USC Notre Dame is among, if not the best rivalry in the sport, right? You get two of the most historic teams. They played us because Michigan tried to launch us into the sun, right? And you want to abandon that for Michigan and Miami? Miami, come on. I'm just, I'm just like, uh, I, so I didn't grow up with Notre Dame. Um, although you're, you're uh, my age too, so I guess that's not the reason. But I don't know. I feel like the Notre Dame-USC thing is like a really like, you know, my friend's dads that went there always talk about like the USC game. Like I don't know, it just feels like the 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 They're new in Tony Soprano's flashbacks. That's the yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. It's a game that Tony Soprano really enjoys. I I don't know. I personally think that I I would be more interested in playing Machine in Miami every year. Personally, well, we we ran a poll on our account about who you hate more, and Michigan was the overwhelming vote. Everyone hates Michigan more than USC and the Notre Dame fan base. But <laughs> but there's a historical reason for that, right? I don't know if you guys know that, but it was Michigan didn't want they they tried to blackball Notre Dame out of the Western Conference and then the Big Ten, and they basically tried to ruin Notre Dame over some differences back in the day. So we hate Michigan, Apparently but that Michigan USC like game. Catholics. See, I don't like Michigan either, but it's, it's like I've I've found a way to forgive them for the events of 1930 or whatever that was. That is that's not really my main motivator. <laughs> no, but that's that's where the the program rivalry comes from right yeah that, yeah uh, it's that this we're you know we're the victimized catholics of the the oppressive michigan football team um but let's get into i, I you know i want i want brian's opinion here because brian i think you're you're in, in my camp on this one where that notre dame usc rivalry means a lot i think that's your top rivalry too right yeah we have a saying like the worst team to lose to is ucla and the, and the best win is notre dame that's kind of where we put it yeah and there's a little bit of respect there too right like I understand where USC stands in history of college football, and I think you guys see the same. And it's like that game means a lot because it, it used to mean whoever won that game won a national championship. Yeah, yeah. Like we, our fans, we are more more so alumni. We have like weekenders where we go, big big weekends where we go visit and whatever school we're playing. So there's like the the NorCal one, and then if there's like a big Texas or whatever. But yeah, Chicago one every two years is a big weekend and a big game for traveling fans for us yeah no, i i i respect that one I, it just it's jack man i can't i can't control him <laughs> clearly clearly the subway alum care more about this program <laughs> i can't alum. speak i can't speak for all notre dame alums i in that in that rivalry poll i think i put usc third they're right they're right there well the poll was between USC, Michigan, or other. So, <laughs> go blue. I would put them. Yeah, still, you know, right, right up there, right up there in that bronze medal category. Right. Oh from, man, from a so from a Michigan pers- from a current Michigan student perspective, I think the, I think the general consensus from at least my subset of friends uh, and the people I've talked to about it, uh, I think it's Ohio State number one, obviously. 
uh, much pain that they're number one, but number one nonetheless. Uh, number two right now is probably Michigan State, uh, just because we play them every year. And of course, it's the other the other state school. And everyone I talked to here applied to one of the directional schools, like West Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, which is like ten minutes away. Uh, Michigan State, U of M, and then usually one out of state school. Uh, so Michigan State's probably two, and then three, like. I guess Penn State. Uh, that's probably more of a me thing because I'm because I know a lot of people who go to Penn State. Um, Some Pennsylvania bias. How many right there. how many years in a row do you have to lose to Ohio State before they move down to like two or three? Uh, probably never because Michigan and Ohio have literally fought a war. So I don't think that in like the 1800s over Toledo, uh, which of all the places to fight a war over, uh, Toledo. Uh, no, but that's actually like the basis, like the initial basis of the Michigan. Uh, and then there's something this like the the Bob Hayes and the Michigan coach. I don't know college football history. Uh, what like Woody Hayes and not not Shan Beck. Shan Beckler was is that Shan Beckler? We could just make up a name. He'd agree. Yeah, this is a Notre Dame podcast, dude. We do not care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, go blue and shoelace was phenomenal. That that's what I'm saying. Okay, so what I've learned from this is that Toledo is the Alsace Lorraine of America. Um, Precisely. For, Go you know, those, The place that started World War Two. Anyway, or World War One. See, I don't even know my history. Um, there's one okay. guy we've been leaving out of this conversation, and I'm sorry for that, Jason. Um, I want to include you because when we played Florida State this year, I kind of called it a rivalry, but we've only played each other like five times. It just feels like every time we play, it's for the Super Bowl. Um, so one, give me your thoughts on Notre Dame, because, you know, I imagine you hate us like everyone else does in college football, but then also talk about your season because it is almost as pathetic as Michigan's. Uh, yeah. It's really a, it was, how you feel about Notre Dame. Uh, we'll do a, uh, do fire one into the sun, play one and ignore one, uh, for <laughs> USC, Michigan, Notre Dame. <laughs> Well, I mean, we only played Michigan. I mean, the last time we played Michigan was in the Orange Bowl in 2016. And man, that's if you look back at that game, everyone kind of thought like one of those two teams was going to like make it back to make it to the playoffs. It was like a Jimbo Fisher led Florida State team hitting its stride. And then Michigan had just gotten back to the Orange Bowl. It kind of felt like they were getting back. And now both programs are now both programs are in the dumpster. But, you know, that's fine. But yeah, it's weird. The Notre Dame game is. It, I mean, there's been obviously like the game of the century in 93 and there's been a lot of epic clashes between Florida State and Notre Dame, but I don't, I don't know if it was ever a rivalry because it never, it was never like a consistent game that we played. Mm -hmm. But now that we play for, or now that we play Notre Dame uh, every so often until like 2030 something, I could see a rivalry start to brew, especially if Florida State gets back to where it should be. Um, yeah, because like Florida State is a I wouldn't call them a blue blood, but they're on the cusp of it. Like they're one of those brand elite names, right? Like Florida State, Miami, yeah, those exactly. kind of schools. And it's kind of like it seems like Notre Dame, given that they're the all time greatest program ever, seem to have like a rivalry with every blue blood and I'm every big throwing name. up in my mouth. Well, it's, Michigan's not even top five. It's um, kind of like it, with Florida State and Miami, it's kind of like. It's kind of like Notre Dame was always Notre Dame's always been, you know, the blue blood, the the, you know, father of college football almost, you could say, just with its history and its long standing tradition. And then you were making they all they almost sort of 
they you almost sort of every listener so happy right now. Yeah, I know. Well, right? I'm, sorry I'm really, you. I'm really sorry. Really 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 that's why I came on here. <laughs> just so you could uh, follow me on Twitter at Scalpar Knowles. But um, it almost, it's almost like Notre Dame was checking schools like Florida State and Miami at the door and sort of trying to like, almost like trying to initiate us into that like upper echelon of college football. So there's definitely been some clashes there. Um, with the game this year, this is such a weird Florida State Notre Dame game this year because, like, obviously going in, Notre Dame's like win expectancy was like, I, I think it was in the 90s, and then Notre Dame fumbled a punt and they started to get a little, little sloppy, and we kind of sort of hung in there for a little bit, but then ultimately Notre Dame kind of ran all over us. Which, by the way, I I'm convinced myself that because Notre Dame ran over us, that North Carolina the next game thought that they could do the same thing and completely ignore the fact that they have Sam Howell and somehow that's how we won the game. But, um, I bet but yeah, you. yeah, I'm like thoroughly convinced of that, but pretty much other than that, Florida state season has been, uh, has been pretty trash. And ultimately that comes down to, um, when we look at teams who make coaching changes in the early signing period, now that we have an early signing period, uh, we tend to see teams um, start to struggle a little bit because they get uh, a lot of roster turnover, a lot of attrition, people transfer out, especially now that uh, the transfer, now that you can kind of transfer more freely in college football. So if you make a coaching change in the early signing period, you're kind of sort of relegating yourself to obscurity for a little bit. And uh, Florida State's now done that twice in the very limited sign, uh, early signing period time that we've had. So, um, so yeah, we're pretty much at rock bottom, but we are starting to build back. And now that we have Mackenzie Milton on the, on board, for those of you that don't know on the pod, Mackenzie Milton has in fact decided to transfer to Florida state. Now that we have him, if he can get back to where he was at his, uh, USC or UCF days, then I mean, that could be, that could be the turning point for the program. So that's something yeah, we're really looking forward to. I'm not just, excited to play you. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, a lot that, of disappointment. That Florida State-Notre Dame opener just got a lot more interesting, to me at least. Yeah, I never I understood like, like Mackenzie Milton to Notre Dame like energy that some people were putting out there. I just, that never felt like a fit to me. Hey, <laughs> call us out. Call us out. It was us. <laughs> that was Wow, it's almost like Notre Dame fans are innately irrational. Maybe I don't if know. if if Ian Book had if Ian Book had declared like now or like a week ago or something, and it was very like obvious that Ian Book wasn't returning or something, maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, I really just couldn't see that fit. Especially, I don't know if Notre Dame would have taken a chance on someone like Milton, who, I mean, he obviously had that devastating injury, so we still, you know, we still don't really know what he can do. I mean, we've obviously seen him before, but. You know, you never know what these injuries can do to the players. So I, I think I think Florida State is the perfect example of why transitive property logic cannot work in college football because you you played us probably tougher than any other team not named Clemson played us. Like you put up twenty six points on our defense. Like that's that's impressive. Then you well before that get blown out by Miami. 
Oh but my then gosh, you, that was just but, utter. Yeah. But then you beat North Carolina, who just destroyed Miami, and we beat North Carolina. Like none of it makes sense. Like you are the anomaly of the ACC this year. This is and your uh, this is your like, first year in the ACC. Uh, I'm just letting you know that if you ever look at the Coastal Division, that happens like every single year. It's absolutely insane. And then and then you almost let Duke come back, and I was going to bully you so hard on Twitter.com. Oh, that would have been. I was like, absurdly I, upset. I was. I was. Coming onto this pod, if we had blown a twenty-eight point lead to Duke, man, that would have been that would have been a rough, t- t- rough nobody, time. Nobody would have said anything because nobody cares about Florida State this year. Also true because you. at the same time, uh, North Carolina and Miami were playing, so like I assume people were probably watching that and not on the ACC network watching Florida State and Duke. I would have gotten you because my football team is bad, so I would have bullied you to make myself feel better. That's where that would have been. Where we're at. That would have been such a body <laughs> blow. Like at least we know that our floor is beating duke at least that's something it's not like all the way at the floor but we're a little well we're getting up there uh sorry charlie if you're listening yeah sorry charlie there's there's some Notre Dame fans that are definitely taking pleasure in that fsu misery because of 2014 um but but like i was saying i've kind of outgrown it with fsu it's like whatever like i you guys are there yeah and i mean like notre dame's kind of you know they've started to take the next step forward they had a playoff appearance and and stuff while we have you know obviously no we didn't we never played out. the playoff i have no idea what you're oh talking yeah about. <laughs> uh, oh the classic notre dame's undefeated so i guess we'll put them in the championship or adjacent uh no but uh it's actually funny i do think this might be a bit of a sidetrack but i do think the o- part of the only reason that clemson has been as dominant as they are um is because florida state's been bad like if, if florida state is what florida state usually is uh, Clemson is still probably a perennial playoff contender, but they're not making it six out of the seven years of the playoffs existence. It's it's uh, funny you guys are talking about rivalries, and I was just you know going through Florida State's rivalries in my head, and Clemson like really has never been like considered a rivalry within the fan base, and for the longest time Clemson was all, always like the little brother, like you know they would just kind of get in our way sometimes or like you know mess with us a bit, but ultimately we were still big brother. And then 2013 happened where we just utterly blew out Clemson in Death Valley. And I think that like, I think that really messed with Dabo because he's just made it his absolute mission to, especially now that we're, you know, now that we've bought him out, he's made it his like now absolute that you guys mission are scared to, to play destroy them. us as much as he can, not only on the field, but also in recruiting and like literally everything. You know, I got to go back to Connor for a second because you just threw a shot at us. Um, I would like to let you know that in one year, Brian Kelly has been to more conference championships than Jim Harbaugh in six. <laughs> JJ McCarthy, baby. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, while I'm talking about rivals, I'm going to go back to Brian. Um, I got a number for you, okay? 1,478. That's how many days it's been since USC's beaten Notre Dame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just shrugs it off. He's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> so you really, you're really playing into that like USC fair weather fan not caring too much. I mean, it would help if we played this year, I think. Or maybe not. But <laughs> if they could. They're not going yeah, that to. Yeah, that was... Like at the beginning of the season, it was like, oh, what if like USC and Notre Dame can play in a, a bowl game? Because our game was canceled, but it looks like it's probably out of the picture now. 
Yeah, it was the first time the game hasn't been played since World War II. So. But yeah, big rivalry there. Um, Jack, I got to get you in here because I don't want to hog up all the Notre Dame talking points. <laughs> what, uh, what, what Do you want to just rapid fire at all of them right now? Because we are clearly the greatest team in college football right now. Yeah, clearly. Shouts to Roll Tide. <laughs> Who? <laughs> no, I will I will use this as my platform to say that uh us getting ten and a half points against Clemson and being three to one underdogs is I need some I need someone to from their unbiased perspective explain to me why that is not an unbelievable level of disrespect. In in terms of like the number or in just terms of like being favorite? To I lose? thought it would be I thought it would be six and a half or seven. Like that was like my like I I I in my Notre Dame brain, I thought it should be like five. I thought it would be like seven. I, I'm, ac- I'm actually floored it's ten and a half. And it was seven and a half at first, which made sense to me. I thought it was on the higher side, but I thought it made sense to me. T- ten and a half is like, I don't see any reason why. Like three to one? Like that seems kind of wild. Jason, as the neutral uh, arbiter, you or you got anything or? Yeah, I don't. I It, it just seems like I really feel like they're. I don't know. I feel like Trevor is Trevor Lawrence really worth that many points in the betting market. Like that's absolutely crazy. I mean, like DJ, DJ did a great job filling in for him and it went down to the wire. Um, I will say granted that uh, a couple, I think, I think Notre Dame had a couple turnovers in Columbus. I know that one Travis Etienne turnover was a little, I don't want to say fluky, but like, you know, you can kind of sort of give it to him there. Um, yeah, 11, 11 points just seems like a lot for this matchup. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll say to, to inject some analytics into this show, um, we had a, a pretty porous deep passing defense, and Trevor Lawrence, even though he's been actually around as efficient as as DJ, um, throws, throws deep like twice as often, like 20% to 10%. So I, I do think that, I mean, obviously having Trevor Lawrence back, they are a better football team, like, no, no, no doubt at all, obviously. But I think that beating UNC as handily as we did, because I think I would argue it was less competitive than the score. I don't know what your guys' models said. I don't, I don't build uh, models. I think I had, I'm pretty sure Notre Dame had like upwards of 90. Uh, let me check. Let me pull up. Yeah. So I, I thought that, you know, obviously Lawrence is worth X number of points over, over DJ, but. I thought that we would have closed that gap a bit with our play since then, especially, and I know we try not to do transitive stuff, but it has to be worth something to see UNC prove that, no, they're actually a really good football team. Yeah. So, so quickly on the, uh, also for the listeners, um, if you're not familiar with myself, I have a post game win probability. Uh, the way that works is basically I say, okay, give it, the model says basically given that these teams got that either team in the game got these stats, each team had X percent chance to win. Uh, that's more or less how it works. Um, and for the Clemson game, I had Notre Dame at like a 9% chance to win, given what happened in the game, but that also doesn't include overtime stats. Uh, so mathematically, my numbers do hate Notre Dame, but in the North Carolina game, uh, I, Notre Dame had a 96% chance to win, uh, even though the final score was like 34-17, I think. So that, like Jack said, that game wasn't really competitive after like the first half yeah i mean we just like in the second half our defense just clamped down so hard and without one of our best players too because the the funny thing about 
Notre Dame's defense, and, and me and Cooper have talked about this, but we probably only have like two, maybe three in uh, Hamilton and, and Wusu Cormo for sure, and then Dalen Hayes that that might be like you look at and you're like that guy's going to be a star in the NFL, not a star, but that guy's going to be like a reliable starter in the NFL for sure. But they they still are just so solid, and I think UNC they really proved how solid they can be. And even in the first Clemson game, like you know you give up a bunch of points, but like in college football now. When you play good offenses, they score. And like if you can even get a few timely stops, that alone is is good defensive play. So so we'll see. I mean, I I personally, you know, I, I'm trying to get my bias out of the way, but us at three to one seems kind of wild to me. So in the first matchup, DJ threw forty four attempts and his EPA per pass was zero point four four eight. That was the first matchup against Notre Dame Clemson. So like do we really think that Trevor Lawrence, like if you're getting if you're if we're talking eleven points, I mean, how, I don't know how much more efficient can Trevor Lawrence be that it ends up becoming, you know, DJ was was north range. of sixteen yards per play on play action too. They were yeah, ridiculous on play action. Yeah. yeah so, so I so I think this is this is probably where the more of the X's and those stuff comes in than just the analytics because it's not necessarily that Trevor Lawrence will be more um, efficient than DJ uh, Uegalole. Uh, Polynesian names aren't that hard to say. Announcers, please stop being weird about it. Yes, uh, thank you. Note. Yes, uh, it. Well, <laughs> don't don't listen. To, don't listen to our podcast then. <laughs> I, I'm taking a few stabs at it. You're two guys that have a that have a podcast for fun. You are not being paid millions of dollars by Fox. I should to be. Prepare but for you're right. <laughs> yeah, but you're not in the booth with Joel Platt saying, "Oh wow, these Polynesian names are real hard to say." Like it's not your job. Exactly. I don't. I don't say that. I just trudge forward. And if Cooper yeah, weren't, like if if Cooper weren't there, I wouldn't even know that I probably disrespected <laughs> his family. So DJ Uyagalole. That's how you say Uyag- it. Uy- I figured Uy-a-g-a-l-a-le. it out. Uyagalole. Yeah. So Shout out to Cooper, who's a hater on this po- and a loser on this, pod- on this podcast. He's been called DJ Ukulele about 17 times, so we're not one. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> fine. You, got, you guys are excused. You have a reason. Yeah, we're also a clownish show, so it's fine. Yes, I mean, Notre Dame fans, what do you expect? Um, but, so, but the difference between... So yes, DJ was absurdly efficient uh, in the Notre Dame game. Uh, but the difference... But again, this is an X's and nose thing. Because Trevor Lawrence pushes the pushes the ball down the field so much more often than DJ. Uh, and the fact that he is a three-year starter quarterback, your playbook gets much more open. I remember there were some reports that like that the playbook was obviously more limited for DJ, not because he can't mentally handle it. He has just been there for three months at the time. Uh, and they had DJ on a bunch of rollouts, on a bunch of play action that really split the field in half. And you can trust, even though Clemson's offense isn't terribly complicated in the first place, you can really trust Trevor to you know, open the p- full playbook, have him hit those deep crossers, have him hit Colin Powell on the post, uh, how that is his first name, right, Colin? The, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Number twenty-three, Powell. Uh, so not necessarily that Trevor will be more efficient, although he might be. Just what he allows the Clemson offense to do makes them more likely to beat Notre Dame, and I'm I'm pretty sure they will. I'm, I wouldn't bet money so, on the outlet. Well, line. hold on, hold on. We'll we'll get we'll get to the preview later. It's all right. <laughs> you don't have to rush to shit on us. It's fine. Uh, um. Um, I just want to say one thing quickly about DJ. Can we please keep the five-star quarterbacks in California, please? Can we, can we, can, can they stop going to Clemson, please? Disagree. I disagree. Let's send them to Indiana. Let's just middle of the country. Let's give Wisconsin a five-star quarterback. Yeah, middle of the country, Michigan. Go blue. Well, DJ's a funny story, sort of. 
because we uh for USC it was either him or Bryce Young, and I was like, those kind of like big big time QB recruitments like there's a lot of uh, politicking and appeasing the family and the group, and so you kind of had to decide, and we went on Bryce Young, and so the DJ family they got pretty upset about that because it was kind of an ego hit. <laughs> So that was kind of part of the reason why early on he started looking at Clemson. And, um, yeah, and then we lost, we lost Bryce Young. Well, we're still not over losing. We're not over losing Amon Ross St. Brown still, given that his brother was a Notre Dame player. So we, we feel you. Equiminius. Um, okay. Knowles, I got to get back to you for a second because Connor brought up his trash win probability method for all the Notre Dame fans. You've just made friends of, what were what was your win probability of the Notre Dame Clemson game? Uh, yeah, I, I I think I said that earlier, but it was nine point one percent, which honestly does seem pretty aggressive. Um, I'm asking Jason. I'm asking. I Jason. honestly do not have it. I don't. I know it was closer than nine, but I don't have it on off the top of my head. You you had Notre or, Dame winning that game though, correct? With your with your model. Yeah, when coming into that game, yeah, I had Notre Dame winning that game, and. I still, I still think coming into this ACC championship, and it's also on a neutral field, that I think, I think it's gonna be closer than eleven. I, I, I I'll save predictions for later, but yeah, that's, I, 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 I have a hard time seeing Clemson blowing out Notre Dame in this game. I'm not it only out not at only, seven and a half. Yeah, you're right. It did, and uh, it's jumped to to ten and a half or whatever. Um, but you know, like we'll get more into that game, and you guys can make fun of us later. But right now, I want to spark a fight with two members on this show and the rest of us. Will to to give their opinion. And this is inspired by a fan question: Who would you rather have, Clay Helton or Jim Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh. Oh my not gosh, even, that's, not, that's not even kind of close. Okay, Michigan fan says Jim Harbaugh. What does USC fan say? Oh man, I don't really know at this point. Like, I think that answer to that question is pretty obvious. A few years ago, at this point, I don't know with Harbaugh. I think he's just going to upset so many people. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, there could still be some upside in recruiting with Helton. With Harbaugh, I just don't know if he's going to turn people off. And I'll get to like his. His MO is offense, and do you want the Michigan offense of the past five years? Uh, okay, okay. so I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. So Harbaugh is not an X's and O's guy. He's a he's more like an executive CEO guy. So really, Harbaugh is only as good as his coordinators is. Uh, so I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That when, you're, when you're a CEO and then you start meddling in the offense that you were supposed to give to someone because, you know, you're that NFL QB, you just yeah. create more problems. Because I think few years ago when it was like Drevno, I think Pep Hamilton and Harbaugh, it was like all three of them were kind of running the offense, which is one a mess. And then two, it's like a way you can just kind of divert any sort of blame to, to any one person. Yeah. And even and even last year, Gaz's first year, I'm pretty sure Harbaugh, Harbaugh still had um, his fingers in the offense and play calling. And that's why our, we ran so much on like second long and just, it was not... Right. Oh, great. I want to point out that I heard that accent slip, Connor, and I'm going to ridicule for it, you for it. So there's that Philly slip. Um, what was it? <laughs> uh, I, I we got to go back to the the tape and listen to it again. I just I heard it and I and I wanted to to interject there. Um, okay, so you guys are fighting. That's perfect. Knowles, um, you're the neutral arbitrator here. Um, 
who who would you rather have? Who's the worst court coach between the two of them? Oh man, this is worst coach. I I will I will say Clay Helton is definitely the worst recruiter. Like I like he It's funny you say LA. that because I actually have a funny Jim Harbaugh recruiting story that I remember from Does it end with him sleeping over? It does not end with him sleeping over. So he was recruiting a who became a first round pick, Isaiah Wilson of the Titans, who I think he's had a couple issues this year. I hope he kind of figures that out. But he was recruiting Isaiah Wilson, who was a five star quarterback, five star offensive tackle, sorry. Um, And Michigan at the time had just signed with Jordan. Um, So what Jim Harbaugh ends up doing is he ends up showing up to Isaiah Wilson's house with cleats on and walks around Isaiah Wilson's house with cleats on. And Isaiah Wilson has a hardwood floor in his home. So he's walking around on cleats with a hardwood floor. Isaiah Wilson tells him multiple times, like, please take your cleats off. You don't ruin my hardwood floor. Jim Harbaugh refuses, and Isaiah Wilson ends up not signing with Michigan. So if you're going to have a bad coach, at least you have some funny recruiting stories when it comes to Jim Harbaugh. I was literally going to say that at least Jim Harbaugh is, like, entertaining. Yeah, he uh, he doesn't eat chicken because it's a scared bird or something like that. Harbaugh's just weird because, like, it was just supposed to work at Michigan. I mean, former player, he has succeeded at Stanford, succeeded in the NFL, you know, obviously went to the uh, Super Bowl 49ers. So it was supposed to be just like a shoe-in, but it just didn't work. It's so weird. It's so weird how that happened. And It's almost like Michigan can't win. It's almost like Michigan can't beat the – they can't beat Ohio State. JT was short. That that it was before my time, but that's, that's all I'm saying. I watched I think... that in a bar, and I went crazy for that call because I wanted Ohio State to win, and 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 he was not short, in my opinion. Although I I will say, gun gun to my head, I would probably take man, it's tough. I probably take I probably take Jim Harbaugh just for the laughs. Going to be honest with you, Jack. I don't think I don't think you're going to win either way, but I think I'd rather I'd rather it be entertaining. Jack, you're you're a clever guy. Who are you taking? Jim Harbaugh for the laughs. That was my take the entire time. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I think he's well reasoned. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna lose to ranked teams in Ohio State and Michigan State, but like, you know, he's gonna mess up people's hardwood floors and not eat chicken and drink a lot of milk, and it's gonna be like a just a funny, just a funny ride, <laughs> which is worth something, I suppose. <laughs> You know, I, I want the audience to let us know. Just tweet at us who you'd rather have as a coach. And you can't say other. Like, you know, everyone, like if you ask Notre Dame fan, like, you know, being really good at football has been fun. But like purple face Brian Kelly was fun, too. It was just fun in a different way. You know, I swear, Brian Kelly had purple face like once in his first year. And people have been like going after him for that. Yeah, but it's funny. Years. It is funny. It's that hey, one you know picture funny? where it's like face expands. Yeah, he's got the big like, you know. Irish I mean, man, I don't like know. My main, my main Notre Dame memory is winning 45-14 and the 2013-2012 BCS championship. 2012. My God. Yeah. I was in seventh grade. Checking guy. out of the middle school dance to look at your flip phone and get the score of the Michigan-Alabama game. Or Notre Dame-Alabama game. It's funny. I was actually at Notre Dame that year for the Michigan game. Um, but I thought you were going to say Michigan's score against us last year because yeah, you did beat us last year. And my response to that would be, I thought we all agreed that games in monsoons don't count. So There's no monsoons in Michigan. It was just raining real hard. I was monsoons. there. That was a monsoon. You were there? <laughs> I was in the press box. I was uh, I was working for the Observer for the Notre Dame student newspaper. Oh, damn. 
I was, drinking, I, I, was, dude, I was I was drinking hot chocolate. I was eating mac and cheese. I was like, oh man, it looks cold and rainy out there. That must be beat. Uh, I I didn't have a rain jacket with me, so I was in oh, a yeah. like a like like a basic like hoodie and jeans, just fucking soaked. Oh yeah, I, I was I was in Florida, and the odds of it being hot were uh, pretty high that day. So yeah. Well, you can go just fuck in- yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's so no, cold Michigan. Day. Michigan's right up there, like stadium food wise like it definitely blew out some of the other ones like at george like at georgia they they gave you tickets and you could only get like x amount of food which you know i was hungry and i you know that, i didn't think that was cool so you know shout out to michigan for the unlimited food well i well, like i so while we were allowed in the stadiums i've like had season tickets of course uh well no actually i didn't have season tickets last year uh because so they like send you an email to like buy the student season tickets and i was an idiot so i forgot to actually like click on the link and buy them so for like the entirety of last season, I had to like buy tickets off of people. I ended up spending like eight hundred dollars in in total on season tickets instead of like the hundred sixty for the season ticket. But I I usually do this thing where I'll sneak up to like the top, the like the first like fifteen rows in the corner of the end zone in the student section. Uh, so I don't get food in the Michigan Stadium unless someone's kind enough to share. Uh, so I can't comment on the quality of the big house's food. Also, uh, do you guys want to hear a big, big house fun fact? Not particularly. Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. So, so the big house, uh, they always announce it on like loudspeaker that it's the uh, largest stadium in North America. Uh, what they never say is, is never, they never mention that it's the, actually the second biggest stadium in the world. Um, because saying it's the second biggest stadium in the world supposes, okay, well, who's the first biggest? And the first biggest stadium in the world is Pyongyang Stadium, North Korea. <laughs> so... Uh, so we are the. So that would not so be one in the CFP world. Will they? Will they be in the CFP? <laughs> so, so Michigan is North Korea. Korea. Is all that I got from that. Michigan is North I mean, Korea. That is some moon logic. Yeah. Uh, why are Why are the Pac-12 teams scared to schedule North Korea? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because we're talking about coaches. I was real disciplined. I guarantee there's some Notre Dame fans out there who would rather both Harbaugh and Helton over Brian Kelly because that's just how our fan base is. Um, but there are also Notre Dame haters who will ask why we haven't scheduled North North Korea yet. I know um, there there are some people in our mentions that that watched that Army Navy game where they run the ball in every play and they're like that that is what offense too. Yeah, Army like, Navy that exists is... outside the normal rules of football. Um, if if there are more than ten points or an Army Navy game, it actually doesn't count. Uh, yeah. In, it counts as a tie. It is actually <laughs> funnier. You guys' mentions always have people wanting to take the ball out of Ian Book's hands. Like, I don't get it at all. It's, it's no one clue. fan base in football that doesn't like throwing. It's, but I love it. But they, I just love don't it. Like, they just don't like fun and scoring, I guess. I love it. I love you know, it. It's funny. The reason I love Jack and, and Cooper so much is because you started that account. But before you, there was nothing. There was just emptiness and Parker, <laughs> which is stats of war. And I remember... It was con- great, by the way. With Fantastic. Um, and I remember tweeting at him and I'm like, you know, it really sucks, but it doesn't surprise me given Notre Dame's fan base that nobody has had any interest in math or, or anything like that. And then Jack and Cooper come along and just <laughs> upset the fan base at the core who just want to play Wisconsin football. Um, <laughs> Hashtag establish it. Establish it. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm actually like not, I mean, you guys are obviously more involved with like your specific schools. Um, like analytics mine i'm i do more like national stuff i don't i do focus on michigan obviously but i don't like put out like many michigan specific graphs really or like 
research. That's why you're on the show, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> just wait till this off season. Um, no, but uh, so it's funny. I actually don't get too many people in my mentions like saying Michigan needs to run the damn damn ball more often, uh, which is I'm thankful for personally. Uh, but but I yeah, do we- I do get glimpses of like the not analytics Michigan football Twitter, which is to say Michigan football Twitter, and uh, they ruthless and and I I don't I don't they say Joe Milton's bad when Joe Milton's not bad he just he's just okay but put in a bad situation and it makes me very upset yeah the two things that have gotten me in trouble on my podcast Twitter account is saying one that Notre Dame is too restrictive with their recruits that's apparently a no-go and uh and two uh running backs don't matter and uh and that's really gotten me in some hot water um I want to ask you guys we got some fan questions um that should be fun, and I and I want to start with Brian because I realize we've we've excluded you from the conversation for a little bit. Um, it's always hard with different audio levels; you can't speak over each other too. So I'm just gonna give you this first go at it. Right. Uh, from Benny one five nine one zero on Twitter. Um, a lot of numbers. A lot of numbers, but a great follower. Thanks, Benny. Um, which rivalry in college football uh, has the most hatred in it? Well. I mean, that Auburn-Alabama one, didn't the guy get arrested? <laughs> Killed a bunch of trees? I mean, yeah, if you've cool. interacted with, yeah, if you've interacted with Alabama fans enough, you can kind of see that you're dealing with the more sane ones. And so you see there's a deeper level there of just pure craziness. And I'd, I'd probably put that one there as far as hatred goes. Yeah, that's a good shout. Jack? Took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, poison, poison trees is 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 some serious business. I'll I'll go with that one too. <laughs> Jason. Yeah, I would probably say the Iron Bowl as well. I know, I I know there was a story once of I think it was either the kick six game or uh one of the games around that year around 2013 where two where a family was watching. It was two cousins watching, and one of the cousins actually. Uh, murdered the other cousin over the score of the game because one was one was an Alabama fan, one was an Auburn fan. So I would probably say the Iron Bowl. Yeah, I shouldn't I shouldn't laugh at that, but honestly, <laughs> that's the most Florida man thing I've ever heard. It just um, yeah, it happened mm-hmm. from Connor. a resident Florida man. Um, I mean, in like normal times when Ohio State is not a Death Star and Michigan is not up and down constantly, uh, I I would like to say that. Um, but I'm going to go a sleeper answer. I'm going to say Ole Miss Mississippi State, uh, just because they're usually they're usually really bad, except when Mississippi when Ole Miss decides to get good at cheating and recruiting uh, for like two years. It's actually really funny if you look at their recruiting. There's like two big spikes. It's like, oh, I wonder when they cheated um, <laughs> and got really poorly. Uh, but because Ole Miss and Mississippi State historically are usually pretty bad, but Mississippi doesn't have a pro sports team and so they like all they care about is those two schools. So they, that's got some bad blood there. I'm gonna go a little sleeper pick. Shouts to Mississippi. Everything's Mississippi. You know, I was thinking, you guys have it all wrong. It's clearly Army Navy. That is the most hated rivalry in all of sports. Uh, they and have I'm like joking. a weird like respect thing going on, but then they both hate Air Force, but they refuse to say why they hate Air Force. They just kind of say like, oh, uh, you know. Or anyone that has like insider information, in army and navy, they say, "Oh, like, well, they, you know, they really, they really dislike Air Force, but uh, we, but they will never say why." And it's just, 
I think it's don't even care. What's that? Like enlisted men, like the Navy and the Army, they really don't care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was definitely joking there. I was actually going to say Michigan, Ohio State, um, just because it's kind of funny, and I, I, I like how one-sided it's become because the hatred is still there for Ohio State. Like, they still hate Michigan, even though it's nothing to them anymore. And, of course, Michigan obviously hates Ohio State. Um, yeah. I, I was going to go with that one, but, you know, and I'm not I'm not the expert in anything other than Notre Dame because we are an extremely biased propaganda podcast. Um, okay, next one for you guys. Um, we'll go same order. Um this question coming from Regis in 42. I can never pronounce the name. Um, since Ohio State gets to play less games, should the ACC cancel the championship so both of their teams can make the playoff? <laughs> That's like galaxy brain. <laughs> I, I, I want to see it just to see Ohio State fans flip out because they're kind of getting shoehorned into into their conference championship game, which I don't blame the Big Ten. Just doing what's in their best interest. I want to beat them with Trevor, and I think we're in either way, so I'm good. Let's let's play the game. <laughs> if the uh, if the game actually does get canceled, the the policy or the protocol is that Notre Dame actually becomes the champion because they were the regular season champions. So if it did get canceled, we would have a one loss Clemson team with no conference championship, which, I mean, it could, I guess it opens the door for Texas A&M maybe, which, I mean, like, in retrospect, that's, uh, Cle- Clemson, Clemson would destroy, yeah, Clemson would Clemson destroy would Texas still A&M. make it. Clemson would absolutely still make it. But, yeah, it, I, uh, I, it would definitely open the door, but I don't, yeah. I don't know how, how open that door would be, but yeah. you never yeah. know. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so the question was, uh, since Ohio's, or since Ohio State only played six games to the ACC. Well, I don't think the ACC should cancel it because, one, they're going to make a absurd amount of money from the ratings on that game because it probably is easily the game of the weekend now that Florida's lost uh, to LSU. Uh, so they shouldn't in that regard. And also, I do think Clemson is going... Spoiler alert, I do think Clemson is going to win. Uh, so I do think both teams will end up making the playoffs anyways. Uh, so I don't, I don't see an incentive not to. But also on the, I mean... Uh, if we want to, we can get this into a quick, broader playoff discussion. But I think it's okay that Ohio – well, one, I understand why Big Ten's playing Ohio State, and that's some tomfoolery, whatever. Uh, but I think Ohio State either way would make it in, and I think that's fine because Ohio State consistently by, like, every measure is one of the four best teams in America. Like, I don't care how many games you have to play. If you play, like, Bama – playing more games isn't going to change the fact that you're playing like Bama. Uh, so I think it's fine that Ohio State will inevitably make the playoff playing only six games. Um, so, And with respect to that argument with USC, uh, USC has really played on more like a Georgia-Washington level, like a good-not-great team. So I think the, the fact that they have played less games affects USC more, much more than it does OSU. Sidebar. Good. Thank you for carrying the show while I had to deal with some technical difficulties there. Um, big, big round of applause to the guys. Um, okay, I think you brought up a good thing about college football playoff, and that's something we should get into. But before that, I got a question from my co-host, who's supposed to be anonymous. And uh, this is meant to start a fight for all of you against him. There's too much reliance on analytics now that the casual fan thinks they know better than the coaching staff. Why should we trust numbers instead of instinct? 
Have fun with How that, many boys. people does he think care about analytics? <laughs> That's actually a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> Don't uh, know, but I, I want to see destruction. I want to see some blood here. Uh, so my favorite is when the announcers like don't really know what to say or they don't like understand what happened in the game so they just kind of like throw out the word analytics and like kind of hope it sticks like a team will go for it on like or a team will like will will, will like throw throw like th- like throw in an obvious like running situation and the announcers are just like oh the analytics are, that's 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 what you get out of that and it's just like the weirdest thing like i feel like i feel like there's a big like misconception in some of the casual fan on like what analytics actually is and like what it can do for a team. Now, I think the, this, the, for context, the question was the answer at least, or no, the question uh, was more about play calling. And I think it was directed more at <laughs> Jack and Cooper um, <laughs> <laughs> because they suggest play calling as do I as well, because on our own podcast, we are not in agreement on, on analytics. So, with respect to play calling, kind of within that context, do you have an answer to that, to why analytics are more helpful in play calling well, than instinct? one thing instinct? that I, I think overall is, like, the word analytics kinds of gets used as, like, a, a way of thinking about the game that's, like, completely different than, like, the game itself or, like, some kind of, like, lifestyle or something. And really all that we would argue is that just like using EPA is better than using yards. It's better than using traditional stats. That that's really all that we think analytics is and or an EPA is. So from our perspective, our passing plays on early downs are more efficient and they've been better than our running plays and therefore we should run more passing plays than we do. That's that's kind of all it is. It's not it's not really like a there's nothing like magical about analytics. It's just sheerly like if you look at a box score and you see, oh, Notre Dame and Syracuse ran for 280 yards and threw for 280 yards, what a balanced attack. When in reality, 94 of those came on one run at the very end of the game. 80 of them came on Ian Book scrambles and yards aren't a particularly useful statistic a lot of the time anyway. It's it's not about like viewing the game from some crazy perspective. It's just kind of viewing it from the practical perspective of what is working for this team. And then, you know, I would never claim to know more about football than Brian Kelly. That would be insane. He's forgotten more about football than I will ever know about football. But first off, it's it's you know, I think all fans are guilty of that sometimes. And I think that's part of what makes it fun. And then I also think that you know, it's. I think it is demonstrable that our passing plays have been more efficient for us than our running plays. And that's not to say that we should never run, but I think it's worth something, whether you know so as much about football as he does or not. But Jack, but Jack, come on. Ian Book scored a touchdown with his with his legs. He clearly ran. Yeah. Said this on our, are, are, are a different category. We said this on our story. podcast, and and this is you know we welcome people dunking on us on Twitter. That's that's absolutely welcome. Please, when we call a passing play and Ian Book scrambles, please do not dunk on us that we should run the ball more because Ian Book. Being athletic with the football in your quarterback's hands on a designed passing play is not evidence that we should run more fullback traps. It, it just isn't. So, <laughs> so if you want to dunk on us after big running plays, that's fine. That's really not the point, by the way. We've never argued that we can't run, that we are horrible at it, or that 
we've never had big runs because we have in some big games, especially in short yardage situations. The point is just that on aggregate, we've been better with our passing play calls than running play calls. And frankly, I don't think you need analytics or EPA or anything to reach that conclusion. It surprises me that more people haven't kind of reached that point. Well, with with that, I kind of want to bring Brian into it because I don't think I've seen you talk about EPA at all. I don't think you're an EPA kind of analytics guy. So I want to know is what, where, where do you stand in analytics? How would you answer the question? And also how, have, how, how does USC work? Cause I imagine Slovis is a lot like a book in that sense where you'd rather the ball in his hands. Yeah. I think the play calling concept is more like a lot of coaches traditionally, they, they want to run early to get ahead of the chain. And you know, what you see from the numbers is you're actually better passing, especially if you have a great quarterback and then it's kind of the same same concept is you want to, they want to get to a manageable third down, which is actually if you try to convert on first and second down, you're going to have much more productive drives as far as play calling goes. So, yeah, I mean, as far as our offense goes, I mean, so you don't even really have to dive deep into the numbers. You know, our, our pass attack is just so much better than our run game, which was last year was hit or miss. And this year it's barely there except for, you know, yesterday. And so we're just – we're going to be a much more productive you know, offense if we're passing more in first down. And I, I do think that sometimes, and, and we can probably work on this too, but I think that the, sometimes the like analytics thing gets intimidating or people in, instinctually don't like it because it comes off as condescending or as a way to view the game that's, that people think is like inherently better than others. And the point is surely just that it's, it's a better statistic to use than a lot of the statistics we traditionally lean on. That's that's the only thing. And the stats that we use, there, there are more complicated ones. The stats that we use of success rate and expected points added, they are not like they're not formulas. They're really not anything. They're they're pretty simple. I, I don't code. I don't do build models. I don't do anything that actual smart people do. I just think that these stats are worth incorporating into the way that you look at the game you don't have to radicalize yourself and and want to go for every fourth down like cooper to appreciate that epa can have some value there is i was i was gonna say so you're saying cooper's smarter than you basically he's the smart one yes i I have been i have been transparent about that (laughs) yeah i think success rate is really easy for like the regular fan to understand which is kind of one of its benefits and then when i look at like usc like because we pass so much, we're so good at passing, we usually get a lot of, like, drop eight or light boxes. So that's kind of where the whole run-pass kind of conversation comes into play because then we need to be good at running the ball, or at least in those situations, so we can get them out of those drop eight, situ- the drop eight coverages because it's not really just pass versus run. It's, for us, if a defense goes into man, like, we're going to rip them to pieces. So that's really what we want. But if they go into the, a drop eight or some sort of zone coverage, uh, we kind of have we struggle, or rather we just are kind of middling as a pass. Yeah, and we never get drop eight. Like we never that never happens because we don't make teams do that. Obviously, our offense has inarguably worked. We are undefeated, won a lot of games. Um, but yeah, we've never forced teams to back off the line like that. It's never happened. We also kind of ran Clemson's defense off the field whenever, not running, like when we threw the ball, 
Clemson couldn't stop us. And and I think that goes to show how good Notre Dame's offense can be uh, when we, we, we let Book cook. Uh, but let's let's get uh, Jason and Connor in this one. We'll let you uh, answer my co-host P-Wagon there. Why should we use analytics? Why, why do you think, Connor specifically, why do you think you have the audacity to call <laughs> plays better than why Coach? Why do I have the audacity? Uh, well, the answer is I don't because I'm an idiot. Uh, I'm an idiot who can do a number of things because I've been doing it for a while. Um, but okay, so basically, what analytics is is just it's honestly it's more of a buzzword than anything else. Like the best way I can describe it is it's basically it's using it's using data to better inform our decisions. So like so like if you have a gut decision that we should run it on first and ten at your own twenty five. Like that is still data. You're basing that that's off of your how you've learned football, how you what what you liked when you were learning football and watching football, what you've learned as coaching, your personal experiences. All of this data is going into like this gut feeling thing, and then you produce run out of an eye formation right the right the gut first and ten. Uh, so what analytics is is just you. So you can't really test that gut feeling and that gut feeling that's to the whims of so many things. You might remember in the first quarter that power play went for thirty yards you might forget the other nine times went for like two. So all analytics really is, is that it's, we are using data that we have and we are putting a number to it so we can more objectively say, okay, this thing is working, this thing isn't. And when you get to more modeling, say, okay, given that these things have happened, we have X probability that this will go well. And then that can, of course, better inform decisions so you can play better football. Uh, so all analytics is, is just, almost like another form of a gut feeling, but it's actually like a testable thing that we can go back and back check and do run all tests. So it's not just we, we had a third, we had a power play when we ran power in the first quarter, it went for 30 yards. Um, so that's all really analytics is in terms of how do I have the audacity to know I can use math for this. I'm a mediocre physics student. And if you gave me like a couple of days, to write a program, I can tell you where Venus can be like to an extremely accurate degree in 28 years. I can, I think I can use numbers to figure out how good of playing football was. So, but I love, I love it. So like, okay, but like Humble obviously, break. I know, no, it's actually not, it's a, not too hard of a problem just because it's grabbing. Connor discovered Venus, by the way, <laughs> is what I'm learning. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, regardless. But so of course, Analytics is just like another source of information that we can have that we build off of math uh, because because really it math doesn't take out biases, but it is much more robust against biases. So it's just another data source that we can use it to help inform decisions on the football field. So it frustrates. So when you have so when you're familiar with analytics and familiar with how things get chopped up when you chop it up in certain ways on personnel packages and situations, it's frustrating when you can see that a majority of the time a certain decision will more will more likely lead to a better outcome and you're actively not for a worse reason. Uh, so, so that's why I have the audacity to complain about Jim Harbaugh. Now, we haven't insulted each other in a long enough period of time, so Connor, I'm um, going to ask I don't you, like your mustache. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> um, win probability. Yes. What would Michigan's and Ohio State's win probability be at if you guys weren't too chicken shit to play them? Uh, if chicken shit is having like 30 players in the program having COVID, then I guess we are chicken shit. Um, uh, it it would be bad. It it 
it would probably be so i round up so on my graphs uh i have like an error point from pregame from espn the postgame win probability uh and i round it i round it just because it makes it easier to read um and 100 is usually uh it's like 99 point not 99 point however many nines i'm um, probably that uh that it would not be pretty <laughs> Uh, I, so naturally you would have won the game that's just the way life works um god i hope so i wish. jason jason you have a good model as well and you use analytics a lot um what what do you find the value is in them so pretty much everyone's kind of uh nailed what i've wanted to say but the only thing i do want to add is um a lot of people think especially on like analytics twitter and the uh and the the blowback from some people is they think that analytics is just like one single thing, like, oh, teams have to pass more. You have to go for it on fourth down. You have to do all this stuff. It's really not. It's just what you what you do best is what you should do often. So for most for most teams like Notre Dame, in this instance, you know, like early down passing is what they should do because they do that better. But then for a team like Florida State this year, we are actually better running the ball on first and second down as opposed to passing it. So analytics isn't telling us in this situation, oh, we have to pass it. We have to let Jordan Travis cook or, you know, whoever's playing quarterback at the time. Analytics telling us, okay, let's let's get the run game going. Let's go for these early down runs and get ourselves in a good situation for third down or obviously convert on first and second down. So, yeah, analytics is just this is what we do best. This is what we should do often. And that can help coaches make decisions more efficiently than – you know, using their gut or, you know, any other method that they may come up with. That is the, say, that's a great point. And it's, it's worth mentioning that, you know, me and Cooper, like we're not always necessarily going to say that Notre Dame should throw more. It's just what, if, if one segment of the game is far more efficient than the other, we will advocate that we do that thing more. So it is entirely possible that someday that could be running. It, it's so it's not to say that we, you know, why do we hate running? We don't hate running. We just hate, we don't even hate anything for the rest, really, but we would prefer to see us run the plays that are, they have been more efficient more often is, is, is all that it is. So that's a very good point that it's not necessarily always throwing. that's better. Yeah. Like ultimately yeah. analytics, people don't want, they don't want to like radically change the game for worse. And, you know, all this other stuff. They just want to see a team use its weapons and use what it's efficient at as often as possible and just make their team as efficient as possible. That's that's pretty much it. That's that's all it really is. It's not going for it on fourth and 30 when on your side of the field because analytics told me to. It's just, this is what we do good. This is We should do it more often. To, to put it really yeah. succinctly... Uh... Uh, you should do what what is most likely to work generally and analytics is just a way that we can figure out what's most likely to work in a given situation that's that's why it's we also have the audacity it's also quantifiable too it's not like you just think passing is better it's you have the actual data that in these circumstances passing the ball is more efficient uh brian i keep seeing that you're trying to get in so i'm gonna oh. let you speak oh, I, was gonna, I was gonna add that like there's actually a lot of crossover between like analytics and traditional coaching if like you want to run the numbers on like motion or formations or is the middle field open or closed, like and do the analytics, quote unquote, like coaching staff's been doing that for the longest time too. 
Yep, that's that's a good point too. There's it's not one or the other, right? They're tools in a toolbox that uh, that that need to be worked symbiotically. Nobody's gonna call me out for using the word symbiotic. Yeah. On the podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's just it's just another piece of the puzzle, you know. Analytics is a piece, film is a piece, uh, player evaluation. You can use analytics and film. You can use all that. It's just it's just one piece of the puzzle to try and figure out, you know, what we have and and what we can do. And having yeah, Heisman Cooper, candidate. No, go ahead, Jack. No, I was just like Cooper said symbiotic relationship in the podcast I'm currently editing. So I could never hate on that. Excellent, excellent word choice. Uh, it's actually I'm, from Star Wars, I think. That's where I got as, it from. As a, as a physics major, I'm pretty sure symbiosis is a bio term, so I'm uh, legally required to hate it as a uh, physics major. No, but nice. if, if you want another little catchphrase, uh, analytics answers the question of what is or isn't working or what is or what is or what isn't this player doing extremely well. Uh, it but at least with the current state of things, it doesn't answer why. So where the other more, tra- if you want to call them more traditional or more like film X's knows, this is where the why comes in. Analytics is just very good at answering the what question. Also, I do want to say like, if you're a team, like Moneyball is the you know famous example of analytics where it's a team that didn't have a lot of money, didn't have very like good players, and they decided to use analytics to get these you know diamonds in the rough. That pretty much explains... I would say a hundred college football programs, programs that aren't Alabama, Ohio state programs that can't get five-star recruits, you know, every single year, you know, these lower level FBS teams or, you know, group of five teams, like they need the edges that they need all the edges and help that they can get. If they, you know, schedule these teams or they find themselves maybe in a new year's six bowl or something. It's just, it's just another way to, you know, gain an edge on your opponent which is something obviously everyone wants. Yeah, and, and you've seen it work in other sports too, right? I mean, if you think, you know, not to bring up soccer, because I'm sure none of our audience cares about soccer, but the reason Liverpool are by far and away the best club in England, at least, is because of the analytics. They've been using that to to both recruit talent and to develop talent. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I want to ask you guys something. Here's the scenario. You have to give me your pick. Um, so we'll go around the table, and then we'll discuss it. You're the playoff. You're the playoff committee. Notre Dame, Alabama, and Ohio State are in. The last spot is between two loss Clemson, Texas A&M, Cincinnati. We'll say two loss Oklahoma, and we'll throw in USC. Around the clock, who are you taking between those? We're groups? we're, we're missing teams? an undefeated team. Just letting you know. Uh, I don't recognize uh, Carolina. America's team, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. All right, throw them in there. Who are you taking? Uh, Connor, I'm starting with you because you're on the top left of my screen. Uh, I mean, the, the real answers are, uh, the correct answers are uh, Chanticleers. Um, in terms of what I would expect the committee to do, I'd expect the committee to pick Texas A&M. Um, so assuming that Clemson were to lose again, I would expect, I would fully expect the, the committee to Texans, Texas A&M. The question, question is, who, who are you taking? Um, I'd flip a coin between Clemson and Oklahoma, probably Oklahoma because I'd expect them to beat Iowa State. Okay. Uh, Jason? So if I had to pick, honestly, 2020, it's COVID year. It's a lot of wild wild things have happened. I would pick Cincinnati. I'm going to be honest with you. I would pick an undefeated Cincinnati. Okay, so we got Oklahoma, Cincinnati. Brian? Well, I mean, it's NCAA and college football playoffs, so 
really the main factor is what brings in the most money. Right. So I, I don't think yeah. so. But... That's probably USC or Oklahoma. Right. I'll, I'll go with USC. That's fair. I mean, I expect you to. And it's funny you bring that up because there's this whole like division of fans out there who debate whether or not money and brand is important with regard to in a normal year, does one loss Notre Dame make the playoff on name and money alone? And there's some people who think absolutely. Um, so that's interesting you brought it up. But Jack, um, last one here. We've talked about college football playoff a lot. Who who are you taking in that scenario? I would take Cincinnati. I would expect the committee to text, take Texas A&M. And I would also just say that cl- neither Clemson or Oklahoma would be in my top seven. Okay. That's time, nuts. Time to nuts. fight. Time to fight. I'm going Clemson. You know why? Because Clemson would beat every other team by three touchdowns. That's on the, in that group. But like that, then they get in every year. Like then they 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 should just oh, cancel all the games. I, I I agree with the eye test thing. I mean, we should argue Ohio State shouldn't even be in. But in this year, where there's only you know six to ten games being played, why not? We want the four best teams. We know Clemson is one of them. Why not? Oklahoma is why? also arguably one of them. The yeah, Sooners yeah. are dead to us this year because they've lost too early. Yeah, if they don't lose, if they don't lose that Kansas State game, which they shouldn't have lost, they're they're in the four scenes of Oklahoma instead of Ohio State right now. Oklahoma I mean, is yeah, very like, good. It, Kansas State's terrible. Like, I, like two lo- two losses should be disqualifying in my opinion. Well, no, like, and it has been in the committee's past. It has like been. once you pick up that second loss, it it becomes Cincinnati time. It becomes Coastal Carolina time, in my opinion. Like that second loss is like you. you you know, yeah, thanks. at that at that point, like, like yeah, that's kind of dangerous. It, I feel like it's kind of dangerous throwing a two loss team into a fourteen playoff. I feel like even for future years, it's just like like precedent wise. We're going, but we're going like strictly who are who's the best team, uh, in like at least in my head, that's how I would do it. I'd flip a coin between those two I, in well, terms of like resume. Definitely not, but I think I care more about. I'm pretty sure I lean more. I I would rather a, I rather a better team get in than a team with a marginally better resume that's significantly worse well i would say clemson should be in over oklahoma because oklahoma's lost to k-state and in this case clemson would have lost to notre dame twice probably close both times but are we in all are we all in agreement that texas a&m should just absolutely fuck off no i i do not agree (laughs) with that no i can't i i don't want to see a rematch with alabama unless they are maneuvering a&m to play notre dame which i would love I don't want to see Alabama. A&M I don't want to see it either. Yeah, but I, I would, I would take, I would take A and M over two loss anybody. Yeah, from from Can a resume perspective, it's really hard to. Here, I would take Cincinnati over A and M for me at least. I would also. Yeah, okay. I would no, also take. Cincinnati I'm sure over the committee A&M. won't. I, I would also, but I, I don't think Texas A and M is good. But I think that I think it has to be resume driven, or else we're we are. I mean, we're going to see this a lot of the time anyway. But if if it's purely like who do we think would win on a neutral field we are going to see the same five teams every single year and we might as well not even like play the season parody let's go this is how this is i i have a really big article coming out about this on tuesday this is more or less how college football has always been and there's really as much parody there okay the beast Yes, had a teeny, teeny, tiny bit more parity than we do have now. The only difference is that the BCS cares cared way more about like who had the best loss than the committee cares about, and also Clemson's no, really good. The SEC in. No, but the the other thing is that like the well, yeah, because SEC is always good. That's why they were always in. But the only the di- 
I, I'm pretty sure that there's like two big reasons that people are saying there's less parity now. One is that Clemson's a death star. But the only reason Clemson's a death star is because the ACC blows and they've had top five picks at quarterback since 2014. Uh, and and there's no BCS busters anymore because a New York Six Bowl does not have the same allure as a BCS Bowl, even though they're but the same bowl. I would say Alabama's reign at the top in this era has been way longer than any other program's reign oh, at absolutely. the top. absolutely. Yeah. And, that's, and that's why it feels like there's no parity. But here's the thing. I would strongly consider USC over Texas A&M, and I want Brian. You're a USC fan. You go 6-0, and you win the Pac-12. And would you feel disrespected if A&M's ahead of you, this team that got blown out by Alabama and really didn't deserve to beat Florida if they played again? I got to ask, who is Texas A&M's quarterback? Kellen Mond. Do, yeah. Do you, do you trust putting him in a playoff? <laughs> no. Are you, you going to stand on that? I'd rather Slovis in the playoff because I know he's a decent quarterback. I mean, like, probably the play that people – for Mon this season, people most remember is him completely missing his guy and it just getting tipped by the defender and somehow getting caught. Like that, that could be a mess. Putting Mond in the playoff. It's interesting that we're all having varying different views on this. Uh, guys at home, let us know who who you'd take, and girls at home. We have a good female audience as well. Um, let us know who you're taking uh, of those teams. Um, but I got to point out one more thing. Yep, go ahead. About when Connor said it was that. The BCS was called the, the best loss. Florida got in one year because Tebow cried after a game and made a big speech, even though it had a worse loss. <laughs> I just got to point that out. That's what Florida well, made. They lost to an unranked Ole Miss team at home, and then Tebow cried, and they, they won all the way. Yeah, it was just such a nice story for the voters. Breaking news, <laughs> USC fan likes the BCS system. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I want to point out before we move on to our, our last discussion here, because we are getting high for time. The 2003 national champion is LSU, and any USC fan who claims that title should be just shot in the head. Jesus. Uh, let me explain impressive. to people. Let me explain to people. USC was left out of the BCS title game. Oklahoma played LSU. LSU won the BCS title game, and the AP put USC number one, and those fans claim that title. The school claims the title, and the NCAA recognizes that title. It is utter bullshit. As a shit. Would you <laughs> would you take those teams? Would you take it? Would you take Oklahoma LSU against that USC team? Your money, putting your money on it. Hey, we have a system, and I follow the rules. <laughs> Um, okay, so I have no. I was three at the time. I have. I do not care. I I couldn't breathe. Connor, you're 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 so uh, you're fending so many Notre Dame fans who just live off history right now. So, um, also hey, your just own for you guys too. who who live off history. I was born in the year two thousand. If you if you want to feel old, yikes. Um, okay, let's get into the ACC title game because. Uh, Two of us have a rooting interest. One of us is an ACC member, and the other two should hate us. Clemson, Notre Dame, uh, what's what are you expecting? And I, you know what? I'm going to start with Jack here, because Jack, you have a chance to rectify your egregious crimes against humanity. In the last Clemson podcast, you picked Clemson to win. I did do that. What are you doing this time? Yeah, the the two things that you can't do. Uh... You know, it, and on Twitter as a Notre Dame fan, I found our pick against Notre Dame and and rail against inside zone. Notre Dame fans love those things. Um, I'm gonna pick Notre Dame this time because I just have to, and because I think that the the, the even though like 
I'm not sure that I would bet on that prediction on even odds. I do unironically think that the it's become a little too trendy to think that, you know, it's hard to beat a team twice and Trevor Lawrence is back and all these things. All these things are true. I think that the the world at large has gone a little overboard with those narratives. So I will I will take Notre Dame this time. I don't have a score prepared, but on our podcast, I will be taking Notre Dame. All right, let's go to a rival, Brian. Um, you know, you got no love for us. How did you watch the first game first of all, and what were your yeah. thoughts on that? And second, what do you think is happening in the second game? Well, I think as far as DJ goes, his his game is really a lot of you know play action and deep pass because he's just so good at those deep passes. And so I think what's been mentioned up mentioned before is um, Trevor Lawrence. Like they can just use so much more of the field, and I mean he's actually used to, you know short passing a lot this season. I think they've kind of thrown out some of those stats from some places. But um for, so for me I'm I'm just gonna that's where I see the Trevor Lawrence bump happening as far as in the line and so that's why I'm gonna take Clemson. Yeah, were you were you impressed with the first game if you watched it? Yeah, yeah. I mean I was I thought DJ would be great eventually. I did not expect him to um be that great so quickly because he's you know for the guy who's uses a lot of like the play action deep shot kind of stuff that sometimes it's hit or miss and when they hit it it just torches you yeah that was actually the highest ranked matchup notre dame has played since you guys in 2005 so there i got to mention 2005 for you <laughs> uh, um jason acc guy um you're you're I, I will not call you a closeted notre dame fan but you are <laughs> slightly soft on the Irish. What do you what are you thinking in this game? Yeah, I think it would be. I think I think it'd be in our interest for Notre Dame to win, but I do have it as Clemson winning by around five ish points. Um if if Notre Dame can get Clemson off schedule, if they can get some of those turnovers that they got in the first game, if they can if they can just get them off balance, then Notre Dame has that shot, and I think it could happen, which is why I don't agree with a 11 point, 10 and a half, 11, wherever you get your odds from point spread. Um, and then I think it also, I think it's also going to come down to Ian Book, too. I know Ian Book kind of had a little sluggish start to the season and then ramped it up a little bit. Um, if he can, if he can pass efficiently, then Notre Dame has a shot at this. Yeah, I'd like to point out that Ian Book fumbled the ball into the end zone in the first game. Like, there's an argument mm-hmm. that Connor's win probability aside, Notre Dame probably should have won that game a little more comfortably. And, and you know, I understand Clemson led in the fourth quarter, but I, I really reject this idea that Clemson's going to come in and blow Notre Dame. That that could happen. I mean, we are Notre Dame. That's the one thing we tend to do is get blown out in big games. But we... I'm aware. Uh, but I, I don't think that people are actually giving Notre Dame enough credit, which I, I would have thought they would have given us too much credit after after the win, but at last, nobody treats Notre Dame fairly. Uh, so that leads us to Connor. Um, I'm sure you've had a whole script planned for this moment here. Well, Rip yeah, into us, just, buddy. Just pulling it up. Uh, no, I mean, I've, I've said it a couple times. Uh, I, do, I do think Clemson will win. Uh, I don't think they'll cover. Uh, I mean, I think the the change in offense that Trevor Lawrence brings to Clemson uh, over DJ uh, does give Clemson the edge over Notre Dame. Uh, for Notre Dame to win, I think they would need a lot of those high variance plays again. A uh, high variance meaning meaning lucky, uh, essentially. Um, so like you would need another you would need another big turnover like the like Joker having that 
taking that fumble to the end zone. Uh, you need another Ian Book 90-plus yard touchdown drive uh, at the end of the fourth quarter. You need a couple of those. You need things to fall in, in your direction for Notre Dame to win, and I wouldn't expect that to happen again necessarily. Uh, so I w- so I think Clemson will win, but not cover. I, uh, the five that Jason winning by about five, six, uh, Jason mentioned, I think I, that, that sounds reasonable to me. Do you guys think maybe it's possible DJ's the better quarterback? Uh, in, in, in I, I hope not, man. I really hope not. I'm <laughs> tired of it. You guys don't have to see him every year. We do. Um, I really hope not. <laughs> I just I hope that the, the Stroud kid, Ohio State, isn't like some, isn't godly like Justin Fields. He's not, but he's still good. All right. So, Connor, you, you just brought up how Notre Dame could win. Um, different perspectives because you guys all have your own analytics, your own models, what you value. From each of you, how if Notre Dame were to win this game, how does it happen? Whoever wants to jump in, too. It's, I should have given direction there. I think, they, th- I think they throw the ball really effectively, like the same way they did in the first game, or better. They either improve their running game or they simply run less on early downs because that was a game where I will die on the hill that we ran, we passed too much, regardless of how much about football I know compared to Brian Kelly. And you mean we, we, we ran too much. Ran too much, yes, on early downs. Yeah, so. um, and then be decent against the deep ball, like replacement level. Like just give up 0.3 EPA per pass instead of one. I, I think is if they can do that, I think that I think those two things combined of throwing effectively and limiting the deep passing against will be the two things yeah, they have. I, I'm terrified for the deep ball, but also what you just said, Notre Dame, and I don't expect Jack to really you know follow that closely, but our receivers have gotten better, right? We've yeah. seen development since the Clemson game. Michael Mayer, the true freshman tight end, is if if Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in the country, Michael Mayer might be the second. Um, and and you see him develop and break out. I feel like there's more um, room for that to happen in this game than in the first game, which is why I feel pretty confident. But um, enough of me. Let's let's get to Brian. If Notre Dame were to win, how do you see it happening? I think it's probably going to happen on the defensive end. If, I mean, if you look at that last game, or what they're going to have to do this game, fumbles, sacks, tackles for losses, uh, hurries, anything influencing those negative plays, I think that's where they're going to have to get it done. Yeah, that, that's a good point, too. I mean, any any kind of thing, any kind of turnover would be huge, too. I mean, I don't expect to get a, a fumble return for a touchdown, but, uh, you know, uh, an interception or just something would be would be really huge. Jason, you've... Uh... I guess, yep, I guess I'll jump in. Um, so in the last game, I'm looking at my box right now, uh, um, Clemson was stuffed on 39% of their runs and offensive line yards, which is essentially um, just giving credit to the offensive line for uh, running back yards. Think of it like a push. Yeah, there's a whole formula with that. And they only had 1.1 offensive line yards per rush. So Notre Dame pretty much shut down the run game. And if they can do that again and get... Like I said before, get Clemson off the schedule. Maybe get them in that long, those long third downs or you know long second downs. Just get them off schedule. And if you can combine that with one or two turnovers, then Notre Dame can definitely um, they could definitely hang in there. And they definitely need to they need to pass more and they need to get Ian Book. They need to have the offense revolved around Ian Book. If they try and run too much, then it's just not going to work. 
Yeah, I agree 100% there with that analysis. Um, On the defensive front, well, with Clemson at least, if Clemson makes the mistake of trying to establish the run again, I agree with you that this is going to be a lot easier for for Notre Dame to deal with Mm -hmm. because between Etienne and Carter out of UNC, two of the most explosive backs in the country, Notre Dame's given up like 50 yards between the two of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not afraid of the run game. I'm more of afraid of the deep pass like like Jack's brought up. but also on, on on the other side of things too, Ian Book has been so much better since that game, and including that game too, um, that I think there's a real possibility here um, of, for that to happen. So, you know, I I gotta give you guys a big thanks for coming on the show. I know we've used up quite a bit of time, but hopefully it was productive. Before you go, um, I have to do this because it is a Notre Dame podcast. You have to say something nice about Notre Dame, and then you may leave. So, Connor, I'm going to go with you first. Do I have to? Um, I mean, Touchdown Jesus is pretty cool. I'll, I'll give you that. Touchdown Jesus is. And I, I do enjoy some of the pageantry around Notre Dame. Nice. Jason? I actually have family members who are Notre Dame fans, so it's not like I don't really have, like, seething hatred for Notre Dame. And, I mean, like, you can't ignore, you can't ignore Notre Dame's history. It's just, it's historic, and it's just, there's so many stories and stuff that you can you know research and learn about that just that just make college football how great it is you know oh that's that's so good that's so good the fan base loves you so much for that (laughs) um we love that that like this narrative that we are the only program to have ever played um all right that leads us to the big one usc brian do you have anything nice to say about us uh, you know, after seeing so many of these abominations of the Shamrock Series jerseys, it's really made me appreciate the traditional Notre Dame green jersey. Nice. That, that, that's pretty good. Um, so I think with all that being said, guys, we should probably hang this up. Um, such a, a big thanks to you guys for bringing your intellectual labor here and, and, and hanging in there for two hours. So again, Mr. Baldwin, the godfather, if you're, if you're still here, just, just give these guys a follow. Give us a nice little retweet. Um, and same thing with the audience. Uh, we're so happy to have you guys. This has been a great season, and uh, it's going to continue. So give us a, a five-star review if you can. Share us and uh, and you know tweet at us, whatever your thoughts are. So uh, with that being said, um, I can speak on behalf of Steve, P-Wagon, and Jack. Go Irish. Win the ACC championship game.